It's Thursday, March the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Zelensky's pessimism over summits and Madeleine Albright's death. First, the world in brief. Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, appeared pessimistic that leaders attending NATO, G7 and EU summits on Thursday would present a united front. Mr Zelensky said that Russia's economic might was being brought to bear on certain countries, whose resolve to increase the pressure on the Kremlin seems to be wavering. Although he did not mention them by name, he may have had Germany and Hungary in mind. He said the summits would expose, quote, who is a friend, who is a partner, and who betrayed us for money. Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as America's Secretary of State, died at the age of 84. An immigrant from Czechoslovakia, she served in the post under Bill Clinton from 1997 to 2001. A day before Russia invaded Ukraine, Miss Albright predicted in the New York Times that any such assault, quote, would ensure Mr Putin's infamy by leaving his country diplomatically isolated, economically crippled and strategically vulnerable in the face of a stronger, more united Western alliance. NATO said it plans to double its troop presence in Eastern Europe and will supply Ukraine with equipment to help it prepare for a biological, chemical or nuclear attack. Meanwhile, British intelligence suggested that Russian troops may have become encircled around Kyiv. Britain has agreed to send a further 6,000, quote, defensive missiles to Ukrainian troops and £25 million, $33 million, to help fund the army and police force. A NATO official estimated that Russia's army has suffered between 7,000 and 15,000 deaths since its invasion of Ukraine began. The Biden administration determined that Russia has committed war crimes in Ukraine, citing the destruction of Mariupol. Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, said America would work to prosecute offenders. Meanwhile, Mr Biden's National Security Advisor outlined the types of Chinese support for Russia that would elicit a response from America including, quote, backfilling goods to Russia to avoid export controls. An announcement by Vladimir Putin that, quote, unfriendly countries will have to pay for Russian gas in rubles sent some European and British wholesale gas prices up by 20% on Wednesday. Sanctions imposed by Western countries in response to the invasion of Ukraine are crippling Russia's economy but the move served to strengthen the ruble's exchange rate with the dollar. The conflict has highlighted Europe's reliance on Russian fuel. 40% of the continent's gas comes from Russia. Other news. Rescuers searching through the wreckage of a plane which crashed in southern China on Monday found a severely damaged, quote, black box flight recorder, one of two on the Boeing 737. The find may help investigators to determine the cause of the crash. 
The Taliban reneged on a promise that girls in Afghanistan could attend high school from Wednesday. The Ministry of Education now says that schools for girls would not open until a plan could be drawn up in accordance with Islamic law. Egypt asked the IMF for support to soften the economic blow from the war in Ukraine. Earlier, Egypt let its currency depreciate by about 15%, seen as a prelude to negotiations with the fund. The Biden administration will exempt some Chinese imports from tariffs imposed during Donald Trump's presidency. Mr Trump had initially approved the exemptions for certain goods, but allowed them to expire in 2020. Rishi Sunak, Britain's Chancellor, announced limited measures to combat rising prices, including cutting fuel duty. Inflation in Britain hit 6.2% for the year to February, its highest level since March 1992. And fact of the day. 50%. How much the price of potassium iodide pills, a potential nuclear survival aid, have increased on Amazon since war broke out in Ukraine. And now, here's today's agenda. NATO stays the course. The longer the war in Ukraine goes on, the greater the horrors and the louder the cries to stop Russia become. As Joe Biden, America's president, visits Brussels for a trio of summits on Thursday with the leaders of NATO, the EU and the G7, the Allies want to send a message of unity and determination. Expect announcements of more weapons to Ukraine, more sanctions on Russia and more reinforcements to NATO's eastern flank and more warnings to China to keep out of the war. Western officials believe Russia is becoming weaker and NATO stronger, not least in terms of public support. But they are also finding it harder to tighten the screws. Sanctions are causing economic pain everywhere, not just in Russia. And giving Ukraine ever more effective weapons brings NATO closer to direct conflict and raises the risk of nuclear escalation. Where lies the line between helping Ukraine and becoming combatant? Nobody really knows. Interview Dmitryo Kuleba, Ukraine's Foreign Minister. The European Union surprised the world and itself with its unified response of sanctions and security policies after Vladimir Putin ordered his tanks into Ukraine. But as the war grinds on, Dmitry Okuluba believes resolve has begun to wane. Quote, What I see in the last 10 days in the European Union is backsliding, he told The Economist. The foreign minister knows Ukraine's ability to prevail will rely on its own stamina. Quote, we always realised that there would be no country fighting shoulder to shoulder with us, that it would be the cross that we have to bear, he says. But Mr Kuliba insists the West can help more. He wants tougher sanctions, including the closure of European ports to Russian ships. And he believes Western countries should send bigger ticket weaponry. All the while, his country faces existential threat 
Mr Kuliber reckons, quote, Putin's plan remains the same. He literally doesn't recognise the right of Ukraine to exist. South Korea's Blue House Controversy Less than two weeks after scraping a victory in South Korea's presidential election, Yoon Suk-yul is again dividing opinions. Before his inauguration on May the 10th, Mr Yoon intends to move the presidential office out of the Blue House, an azure-roofed complex he describes as a, quote, symbol of imperial power, and into the Defence Ministry buildings a few kilometres south. He says he wants to bring the power of the office closer to the people it serves. Within hours of the president-elect announcing his plan on Sunday, a petition protesting against the move had reached the 200,000 signatures needed to trigger an official response. Critics worry about cost and the security risks of hastily relocating the heads of the government and the armed forces, especially at a time when North Korea has been testing rockets. Neighbours are also worried about traffic and protests. Even if he gets his move, Mr Yoon may find himself further from the people than he intended. Toshiba versus investors again. A Japanese industrial giant, hoping to slim down, may find the weight hard to shift. On Thursday, Toshiba's board will ask shareholders for approval to spin off the part of it which makes chips and hard drives. It needs a simple majority to agree. But a group of investors that wants to keep Toshiba intact in order to sell it may not agree. Toshiba nearly went bankrupt in 2017 after a bad investment and an accounting scandal forced it to issue new shares. That put more control of the firm in the hands of foreign activist investors. Efisimo Capital Management, a fund based in Singapore, became its biggest shareholder. When Efisimo tried to change the direction of the company, bosses resisted. Too hard. That led to a second scandal in which management colluded with the Japanese government to resist shareholder pressure. Foreign investors between them now hold more than 50% of votes. Enough to disrupt Toshiba's plans. Ukraine's cultural heritage under fire. Overlooked amid the appalling human tragedy in Russia's war is the threat it poses to Ukraine's cultural legacy. The country has many museums, archives and lovely buildings. From brick Byzantine churches to futuristic Soviet-era bus stops. Already some have been destroyed. Mourned by all are 25 artworks by Maria Primachenko, a folk artist who painted cheerful hybrid beasts. They were ruined when shelling set fire to a small museum near her village. In Kharkiv, near the Russian border, nearly every structure has been damaged including a number of Art Nouveau buildings in its old centre. Quote, Our Kharkiv is a new Warsaw, a new Dresden, a new Rotterdam. 
says the city's leading architectural historian. Next in line probably is Kiev. The capital's jewels include St. Sophia's Cathedral, with its blue and white bell tower, and the equally fine monastery opposite, St. Michael's of the Golden Domes. The potential losses are awful to contemplate. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. What term is used in tennis when a service clips the top of the net? Wednesday. The seeds of which plant were smuggled out of Brazil in 1876 so that the British could plant them in their colonial empire? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Betty Williams. I like to say that arms are not for killing. They are for hugging. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.